Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> Welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast gab fest where in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, identity, culture, what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for Thought, a group of scroll friends just trying to get a nut. <laughs> That's actually the best one of all time. <laughs> That's the best one of all time. Stri- um, strike that from the record. I'm Tommy Teebs Pico. I'm an indigenous American poet, editor, and I go down nine times and I give head ten. <laughs> Woo! I'm Fran. I'm a writer, editor, and it's Taurus season, bitches. Run it out. Watch out. I am Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer. I've never had scabies. And. <laughs> you don't gotta be judgmental about it. <laughs> okay. My sexuality is the 335 people who, like, they really like me, but they just don't wanna be in a relationship right now. <laughs> Woo! Girl! Mm. And I'm Dennis Norris II, and I'm a reader, writer, former figure skater, and I'm hella single right now, so I invite you to slide into my DMs and explode in my mouth. Oh. Ew. No. <laughs> uh, the I flavor. I don't know how to follow that. Um, I'm Eliel Cruz. I'm an activist writer. I'm a Scorpio, and I prefer passionate over crazy. Oh, mm. yes, 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 yes. You ha- Looking I'm, at you, Fran. I'm Looking sorry, at you. Uh, you have to go. <laughs> We're excusing you and from y'all, this And y'all, his arms are real. Yeah. They're real. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis, if you can pick your jaw up off the ground for a second, can you tell us what's on the menu today? Uh, uh, I don't know if I can, but I'm going to try. <laughs> on tonight's episode, we're high for your romance. Teebs, tell us about the year he spent living like Florida State, meaning he let everyone in. Bye. We activate our voices for our lives and our time. And for dessert, we offer the hottest, blondest, and most Bronx ever invasion of privacy that you've ever had. Yes, 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 yes. Take it away. Fuck you, Dennis. <laughs> nom, 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 thoughts. Oh, it's time we start the top of the show the way any good top should, with a little tease. Our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh, and to amuse our booshes this week, Joe's gonna flick our bean. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Joe refuses to do any such thing. We are going to wow. play a game today. Actually, you of all people would, would never play. refuse. Would be, yeah, I, would I be think I'm one. a I'm a bean flick bottom. I like my beans flicked. Yeah. <laughs> um, you did this. I'm so, I am deeply sorry. I am uh, contrite as fuck right now. We are going to play a game today that I like to call "Get High on My Love." Producer Alex, who is our resident stoner, and I had a great time putting this game together. In this game, I'm going to give you a name of products, right? And you have to guess whether this product is a weed strain or a gay romance novel. All right? Okay. So get high on my love. You all y'all ready? Again, as always, we start in the kiddie pool and we're going to wade deeper and deeper. Okay. The, the wow, first one is Alaskan Thunderfuck. Alaskan Thunderfuck. Obviously a weed. That I know to be a weed strain. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't smoke. I've never smoked ever. <gasps> oh, you're at a deficit. I, yeah, but I mean, I thought of drug race right away, obviously. But no, I've never smoked. I've never done any drugs. I'm a good boy. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, you're going to have to like pretend like you're not. I, I also don't smoke, just so that the listeners know. So this is a <laughs> difficult game for both of us. Um, but I, I have seen people like smoke that, so I would have said weed, yeah. It's a sativa. Um, one of the best parts about the weed serve list serves is that stoners make really great reviewers. Um, a great... <laughs> Great, great, uplifting, relaxed, high, smiley face emoji. Sweet, earthy, pungent, best strain of shatter I've ever had, hands down, hand praise emoji. Oh my god, bye. So good. That's a great review. Snow Diesel. Snow Diesel. Gay romance or weed 
strain. I think that's a weed strain. I would say, too. This is Steve's. That's a weed strain. It's definitely not a good gay romance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't, like, what is, like, what? I don't, I'm not, I'm not envisioning anything with that Ooh, weed strain. A, a, tr- a truck, an Alaskan truck driver. That, right? Oh, that's what, oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. Dennis? Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say gay romance novel. Okay. It's a hybrid. <gasps> Snow Diesel is a hybrid that produces a range of diesel aromas, shifting from the sweet and candied flavor to a dank, musky funk. Wait, it's a Diesel that also sounds flavor. like a blur. This is the dank novel. <laughs> it very well might be the dank we all have been looking for. It's weed. In case you couldn't it, tell from the review, it is indeed weed. That's yeah. insane. How about okay? So snow diesel. How about snow ho? Oh. Oh. Well, you mean your moniker in the wintertime? <laughs> yeah. I am Ho Osmondson, yes. Who you become every winter. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to say gay romance novel. Romance novel? It has to be gay romance novel. Um, Boo Daniels seems to have trouble finishing things. (laughs) Oh my god. Along with the half dozen or so novels he started, only to abandon midway through, his love life could at best be described as a series of drive-bys. Fran, is this this an autobiography? (laughs) Is this an autobiography? (laughs) (laughs) But when his boyfriend breaks up with him on their one-year anniversary at an isolated ski lounge, he submerges waist deep into Wade Walker. Okay, I would never wow. find myself at a ski lounge, first of all. Okay, if it's sponsored <laughs> though. Ah, that is the it's fucking such truth. A question. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the Fran truth. walked out. Ariel came to read. Yes. It's sponsored. Oh, <laughs> so you came to play. <laughs> Next up, White Widow. I hope that's a weed strain. I was, was going to be like, if it's a gay romance, it's going to be something post-MAGA. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. I'm going to go with... Um, okay, okay. It's, um, it's a gay romance novel, um, and it's about... Some, oh, and this was the subplot on an episode of Living Single one time. Uh, they, they use the venom of a spider to kill. Ooh. Oh. Dennis? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with weed strain. Yeah. This hybrid herb is a light and fluffy bud, green with whitish hues and color, and covered with delicious little trichomes. Ooh. In reviews, makes my hands and feet feel fantastic. Mm. And <laughs> you stoner as fuck. Those Holy are my target areas. So. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Heady as fuck with a trickle-down body high. I can oh. hear the static in the air. I'm going to go back to playing Battleborn now. Good-ass shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so man. much fun. He sounds very straight. Dandy dance. Dandy dance. That's a weed strain? Teebs? Gay romance novel. Yeah. No weed strain. Yeah. Um, it's gay de- romance novel in it, Texas. It's Dennis's gay romance I mean, novel. Basically, yeah. <laughs> it's the lumberjack of my dreams. Intense and exotic <laughs> aromas in flower time, curry, orange, fresh lavender. This musky skank wow. creates a complex but tasty, satisfying experience when smoking. This mix will explode in your mouth. Wow. Ooh, okay. Those are all I, of the scents I would want my ideal lover to wear. So yeah, absolutely. It works. Love the musk. Love Explode, the exploding. Love exploding in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about chrome? I think chrome? that's both. Mmm. Did you hear how Midwestern I said that bull? Both. <laughs> like, like, there's an L in it. I, I hey, this teams. Um, I'm gonna go with a strain of Mary Jane. Hmm. Um, definitely gay. Well, gay romance. I don't know. I'm getting nothing from this one. Yeah, yeah. I um, I'm gonna go with both as well because I'm pretty sure I've heard of this strain, mm. and I'm. Also feeling like this is the gay adaptation of The Fast and the Furious. Oh, <laughs> Dennis. So, which I'm here for. Dennis I've always is, wanted to have sex in a car. Dennis? Oh, Dennis, you've never had sex in a car, Wait, Dennis? really? I've never had anal sex in a car. I've well, only okay. had sex in a car. <laughs> no. Fran is just sitting on the stick shift, basically. <laughs> don't, don't. Um, first of all, Vance Ford Focus is his dildo. <laughs> Fran's dildo is a Ford Focus. <laughs> Put it on the bingo sheet. <laughs> Honda I'm Civic. Done. Okay. I'm done. Too late to class it up now, friend. <laughs> <laughs> Rome, a young space cadet, is greeted on the army base by the most handsome man he's ever seen. This marks the beginning of events that would change Chrome's life forever. The time Chrome spends in the cabin tending to the man healing and healing his damaged hands is only a fraction of what's to come. He would soon learn... 
that it is death to love a robot. Ooh. <laughs> Says who? <laughs> Says who? Anyone who's ever tried to love you, Fran. Oh, my God. I don't know, we're, we're being too mean to Fran. We are being too mean to Fran. We are coming to Fran tonight. I would argue, I would argue, but it's true. <laughs> Next up, Dark Matter. That is a weed strain. I Weeps. believe Dark Matter to be a weed strain as well. Has, yeah, it has to be a weed strain or a racist gay romance model. <laughs> yeah. that's, what I'm, that's what I'm assuming. One Thank you other. for saying um, it. <laughs> and I was going to say, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I want it in my mouth. So oh, it could be either. Okay. This strain simultaneously uplifts the mind and stimulates creativity, all while authoring, offering a soothing buzz in the body. <laughs> and from the reviews, this shit is the best heart eye emoji. <laughs> Dank is purple bud in a can. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Pinot Noir. Next up, Hell and High Water. Uh, Hell and High Water. Gay romance novel. <laughs> Definitely. Fran says gay romance. Hell and High... Uh, this is Deeves. I'm going to go with a sativa. Okay. On that one. No, it's got to be a hybrid. It's definitely a hybrid. It's a hybrid. A hybrid. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a gay romance novel. I mean, I did once meet a drag queen named Helena Highwater. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say Weed Strain. Mm, yeah. Dex is determined to get his life back oh! on track and eager to start his new job. But his first meeting with the See, team leader, Sloan Brody, turns disastrous. <laughs> Sloan <laughs> Brody? When the team is called to investigate a murder of three activists, activists, uh-huh. it, soon become cl- it soon becomes clear to Dex that getting his partner and the rest of the tight-knit team to accept him will be a lot harder than catching the killer. It and, is an objective and fact. every bit is dangerous. It is an objective fact that anyone named Sloan is a murderer. <laughs> There's there's no question. Who hurt you, Fran? I'm somebody. <laughs> a man named Sloan. Let's be honest. I'll okay, there are two left, and life. they're kind of paired. Okay, I can't believe you haven't slept with a Sloan yet, Dennis. <laughs> happened? Cloven hoof. Cloven hoof. Oh. Um, sweet strain. I think it's a gay fantasy romance novel. Oh, teams. Sweet strain, but now I'm leaning towards that. <laughs> I was. Also thinking gay romance novel, and I was thinking about those animals and those animal people in Harry Potter that are like a horse and a person. Oh, Byron, yeah, yeah. do you remember? You're close, actually. Charged with gross incompetence, Satan Ooh. is fired from his job as Prince of Hell Ooh. and exiled to the most terrible of places, ah, English Tampa. suburbia. <laughs> Forced to live Tampa's as a human under the name of Jeremy Clovenhoof, no. the Dark Lord not no. only has to contend with the fact that no one recognizes him or gives him the credit he deserves, same. but he also has to put up, and this could be the same as well, Fran, he also has to put up with the voracious man-eater upstairs. Oh. Wait, who do you think that is for me? <laughs> Last but not least, Fallen Angel. Uh, also, I'm going to say that's both. Okay. You know, we haven't had a both yet. And I'm going to agree with Fran. I think it's a both. The Fallen Angel, I mean, it's not that far away from this sort of Satan one that you said before, but mm. it's got to be like some kind of like David or one of those angels who like, you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. False uh, yeah. Uh, and I can't say both because that's just like following the crowd. <laughs> Gay romance. Okay. okay. Fallen um, Angel. More importantly, it is the theme of Johnny Weir's 2010 Olympic long program. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Bye, Dennis. But I'm going to go ahead and say both. Uh, Fallen Angel by Devis Harvest Seeds is a cross between a coochie male and a shoreline female. The two distinctive strains blend well, offering a sumptuous bouquet of skunk, fuel, lemon, and pine. Oh, and from the reviews, sometimes I can't move, and it feels like my legs feel like a motherfucker. Woohoo! And definitely <laughs> oh. a couch locker off one bowl of the head, but too much will leave you useless. LOL. Okay, oh, the next fun. game. We'll do that too. Yes, the next game has to be is this a description of a weed or is it Dennis talking about a hookup? <laughs> <laughs> it will leave you useless. L-O-L. That game will be impossible. <laughs> oh, that was so. I'm really high on your love. Thank you. Guys. Oh, love you. That was cute. Next up, we got our impure thought segment, which, if you don't know, is a recurring segment you're wherein an idiot. you're an, you're literally an idiot. It's a recurring segment wherein we have someone, uh, usually a, a thought of some kind, share a. Very salacious, cinematic, hilarious, rambunctious, delectable, exquisite uh, sex story of some kind. Um, and here today we have our very own Thomas Teeps Pico. Hi, welcome hello. to the How's stage, Thomas Teeps Pico. Um, 
Tommy. What you got for us, Teebs? Yeah, call me Tommy. Only my mom calls me Thomas, and that's when she's mad at me. I'm <laughs> sorry. I just did it on air. All right. Well, you know what? I'll take it. I take a lot of things. So nah, I, I want to talk to y'all for um, a minute about something that happened to me at the top of 2013, which is the only top I've ever really been. Yeah, bye. <laughs> That is, um, I started an anonymous blog about going on a hundred dates. Oh my God. Okay. So let me give you context for this. My therapist and my best friend had both decided to read me in the same exact way. And they were like, you know, you say you're picky, but we think that's just your way of getting out of intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so we were going to challenge you to go on dates with different types of people. Mm, And my best friend and I'm optioning this for, you know, a feature, by the way. But my best friend and I decided that we were going to each go on 100 dates. Oh, my God. And whoever got to the 100th date first won. And I can be insanely competitive under um, circumstances like that. Now, the goal wasn't to have 100 good dates or 100 dates with people you like or, you know, whatever. It was just saying yes. So on Valentine's Day 2013, I got on every single dating site, every single dating hookup app. And I just said yes to anybody (gasps) who wanted to go on a date. Go on a a date, by the way. Was that 100 different people? Was that 100, like, dates total? 100 dates total. Ah, Yeah. That (laughs) honestly, yes. Honestly, yes. You Um, went there. I was I was Arizona State. I was easy to get into. Let me just say, let me just say, let me just say though. Oh my god. Fran legitimately fell out of his chair. Fran fell the fuck out. He had half a glass of wine and fell out of his now, chair. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying, like, it had to get to the date phase. You know what I mean? It wasn't just, like, somebody without, with, like, a blank profile who was, like, sub, like, you horny or whatever. It was just, like, actually going on 100 dates, right? Okay. Um, and I did. I went on. I, I started going on dates. It didn't matter how young, old, tall, wow. short, whatever. Like, I just said yes to everything. And, you know, it, it taught me a whole lot. And... The the thing is that, like, at the same time, I had sort of committed myself to being a writer. Because, like, 2011, I lived in Paris for a while. 2012, I lived in Berlin for a while. And during that time, I just took some time away, and I was like, you know what? This writer thing is what I actually want to be with my life. What do I want to do with my life? And so not only did I d- commit to going on 100 dates, I decided to narrativize them, right? And so I turned it into this anonymous blog that no one is ever going to read. And I dare you to try to find it, because I don't think you can. Don't uh, challenge. Uh, You're challenging me. She's I'm a sure scientist in her side. And thing. I gave them... Names like you know cutesy or duck duck. Uh, oh my god! You know, Who are you? You know that that was just like the the title of every single um, oh. entry was the name of the person I went on a date with, okay. and. Yes. It started, you know, I'm giving you a little tapas of thoughtery here, but, you know, it was like that, you know, I went on a, a date with a freshman at NYU no. who decided to, like, lift his shirt up to get, like, um, Mardi Ooh. Gras beads, like, every five oh fucking minutes. Oh, my God. My, that's my target. You tried to in that shit. Okay. It was. I do not date NYU undergraduates. <laughs> I could get fired, Dennis. You Undergraduates that. from everywhere else. You redact that from the record. But then, <laughs> but, and also, during this time, I learned a whole lot. Like, I learned that I liked getting slapped in the face as a lecturer. Oh. Bring up his hand every now and then. This guy that I called Chuckles or Giggles or something, like he was all like, da, 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 like laughy. And then that red light came on and he was like, Patrick fucking Bateman. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. American psychoed the shit out of my body. Um, <laughs> and yes. I also got scabies during this time. Yeah. Uh, yeah it the was worse. itchy as fuck. It's like uh, the devil's crap. Yeah. It, so wait, it, then you proceeded to give. So, anyways, continue. No, no. I mean, <laughs> Actually, the good thing about this person, he's an extremely ethical person. I'm uh-huh. sure he probably is going to listen to this at some point. Oh, no. um, but, you know, a, a couple of days later, he called me. He said, just so you know, I got back from the doctor. I have scabies. Just, and, and, you know, I just what? wanted to, you know, and I was like, look, that's not your fault. Like, right, I'm not, right, right. That, yeah. that's, I'm not going to pathologize you. We had a great time. <laughs> Never going to talk to you again. But, like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I called my dermatologist and, like, um, uh, the, the girl at the front desk, Pam, I was like, Pam, I have scabies. And she was like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> it's always Pam. motherfucking Pam. <laughs> And I think that is not cool, Pam. Um, (laughs) And then, like, of course, my best friend. So we're going at this, like, we're kind of a pace of each other. And then she meets somebody who she starts dating, who then becomes, like, her boyfriend for the while. And I was like, oh, fuck. So it's, like, not really a competition anymore. But... I, I'm still very goal-oriented, and then it became, like, a competition with myself, and I'm like, no, I'm still going to do this, and then it's, yeah, so, like, yeah. kind of halfway through, I started, oh, I ended up dating 
going on a couple of days with the tallest man I've ever. <gasps> Wait, how, how tall was he? What were like, the numbers? I would say six, seven, six, eight. Yeah, oh, yeah. climbing like a tree. Uh-huh. Oh my god! But then, like, he wanted our first date to be at the opera. You need crampons <laughs> to get on and top I of that. I was like, oh. did you <laughs> stand? Did you sit on his shoulders to see the opera better? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I towed him on top of him. Yeah. I can say that because I'm indigenous. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> so then, but like halfway through, I started dating these two guys kind of more seriously. And then I kind of started feeling bad that I was dating other people. Mm. And then I kind of started feeling bad that I was dating one and not the other. And so then like I, I kind of had to choose one. So that became the blog for a while. Like who do That's I choose? Mm. And then I chose one and then it became like instead of a date blog, then it became kind of like a relationship blog. And then it kind of became like a breakup blog. Oh. Yeah, I went through, it cycled oh. through all those phases. And at the end, you know, I, I took like a, like a month off. I took a month break off from doing going on dates and I went on another one and it just felt... I was just so still, so devastated and bereft. And this was just like after a long series of things that kind of go halfway and don't go fully into it's a relationship. Yeah, and I was like feeling so worn out by New York. And I'd kind of done it to myself because I'd inundated myself with all these dates. And yeah. I'd been writing about them. And I was like, the only thing I liked about this was the writing part of it. Oh, and I yeah. took myself to my oh. favorite spot in New York. And I, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but I took myself to the East River Park at sunset. And I realized that's the only favorite thing I had. And Mm, that, like, since I was 15 years old, all I'd ever done, I only pursued men. Like, I never pursued a purpose. And I was like, I need to change my life. And so I remember looking into the water, and that's when I was like, for the next year, I'm not dating anybody. I'm not having sex. That was my celibate year. And that's when I was like, I need to um, date writing the way that I date men. Oh, damn. And that's when I started going to bars and writing. That's when I started, like, going out to restaurants and writing. And I was just like, I need to actually do this thing every day the way that I have pursued men. And that's when I became a writer. Oh, my God. And then you published three books in three years, That's bitch. correct. Working Bye. on the fourth, wrote a screenplay, a book of essays. So I'm going to read from The Seventh Date. is called The Law. Mm. Um, for context purposes, Not he's an attorney. Law. Not quite. Not as excited that. But <laughs> also has a personality disorder. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. If you're out there and you listen to this, because I know you see my face on Grindr. <laughs> um... So for context purposes, he's a lawyer. He also, like, is a fast-talking, he thinks he's really, really smart, and he thinks I'm really, really dumb. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so one of the good things about going on and making so many dates, I've realized, is that I'm taking everything a lot less personally. It's also forcing me to be more direct with people I'm just not feeling because I'm realizing that while you can't take responsibility for people's emotional lives or their relationships or whatever, you do owe it to them to be direct. Mm. Speaking of, the law has a boyfriend. He's been hitting me up on various internet and smartphone social media applications for months, but I didn't respond because he was very clearly about, quote, just having safe good times with boys, end quote. But in the interest of getting to 100 dates, I've been saying yes to a lot of things, and it's very good for me. At a certain point, I ask the law if I can be candid. I ask him what his open relationship status means, what are his expectations about our date. You see, sometimes I like mystery, and sometimes I like knowing what's behind the curtain. We start to leave the bar. He says he's found the love of his life, that they've been open for years, though it was hard for him to adjust at first, and he says they have rules for this kind of thing. Transparency. No secrets. No no condoms, which uh-huh. this was before the blue pill. Um, no sleeping over. He tells me this last... No sleeping over. Yeah, Teeps loves that. He tells me this last thing, and I know something, and I tell him. I say, when I was not that much younger, maybe even last year, I thought there was one thing I wanted in love. One way that love looked and felt, one kind of person I could get that from... I was stuck on my fantasy life. I didn't date too many different types of guys, and I spent a lot of time being unsatisfied. I felt like that line in the Sylvia Plath poem where she says, I'm too perfect for you or anyone. Now I'm open to lots of different kinds of love and fun, and I think he's cute, but I'm looking for what he has. And ultimately, I don't think it would make me feel very good to get fucked by someone who wasn't going to stay the night as a rule, as the letter of the law. Some things I understand now are not negotiable, and I don't feel bad about those things. Mm. He kind of jerks his head back a little bit. He gives me a look like he's seeing me for the first time. He smiles wide and gives me a kiss. He tells me I'm a real special guy. He continues home, and I take the subway, even though I could walk if I wanted. Oh, baby. This message comes from iHeartRadio sponsor, Mercury Insurance. 
If you're looking to save some money, you should really think about getting a quote from Mercury, because Californians save an average of $677 with Mercury. It's quick and easy, and in just a few minutes, you might find you could save a lot of money on your auto and home insurance. Plus, Mercury was named one of America's best insurance companies by Insure.com four years in a row. Low rates, big discounts, great insurance. Go to mercuryinsurance.com today to get a quote. It's crazy how much we have to pay for outdated, impersonal health care, and even crazier that we all just accept it. It's time to face facts. Healthcare is backwards. Luckily, there's Forward, a new approach to primary care that's surprisingly personal and refreshingly straightforward. Forward never makes you feel like just another patient. Backed by top-rated doctors and the latest tech, Forward gives you access to personalized care whenever you need it. Using in-depth genetic analysis and real-time blood work, Forward's top-rated doctors provide you with in-depth insights to better understand your genetics, mental, and physical health. They then create custom, easy-to-understand plans to help guide you to achieving long-term health. With Forward, you get unlimited in-person visits with your doctor and access to care anytime via the Forward app, all for one flat monthly fee. It's time to stop accepting backwards health care and start moving your health forward. Visit GoForward.com today to learn more. That's GoForward.com. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $350 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Hi, this is Rex Chapman. You might know me from my former life as an NBA player or from my spectacular fall from grace, or maybe just follow me on Twitter. Now I'm hosting a new podcast called Charges with Rex Chapman. Each episode centers around an interview with a famous athlete or entertainer who ran afoul of the law. We'll relive their rise to fame as well as their fall from grace and hear their side of the events that changed their lives forever. And uh, really want to let people know with the people that we're going to talk to that you're never as bad as your worst moment as long as you learn from it. You know, I'm planning on having guys on, the guys I know, guys I don't know who've run afoul. Uh, we call it charges because you've been charged with something. It was an ugly time. It was a tough time in your life. And that moment when it happened to you is really painful to talk about. Uh, but I think it's cathartic, and I think people will get a lot out of it. Listen to Charges with Rex Chapman on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You was growing. You was growing and changing. One of the things that I also has been really important for me in my writing process is like that's gorgeous and well so well written. But like you were writing it for not an audience. You were just mm-hmm. writing it to learn. Both learn about yourself and learn about the craft. And I think mm-hmm. that that's such an important thing. I think everyone right now with the social media is so obsessed with immediate audience. And like immediate sort of clicks and why feedback. did you look turn at around? Me? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's reading Fran this episode, including <laughs> Fran. <laughs> I, um, no, I was beautiful, baby. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. So we always say that this episode was brought to you by Rosé, but this time it's also brought to you Mm. by Squarespace. Squarespace! Squarespace. Here's the thing. Squarespace is a website where you can make more websites. And like, you know what? The world needs more websites. Really Honestly, truly. And like, we have some ideas. If we need a space to go to get away from the people that we shit talk about, except we're not even really shit talking them because we're telling the truth... I'm building a new blog called www.whereisthelie.com. <laughs> that is deeply Dennis. Can you find it? Deeply Dennis. I just love it when a website is serviceable. Like, yeah. don't date this Pisces.com. Mm. It's just like an <laughs> aggregate of different Pisces. It's just pictures of me. So true. Yeah, it's just, it's just only pictures. Over and similarly, over and Similarly, how to date a tourist.com. And then you just click on it and it says, run. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Get the fuck out. Yes. Or I something heard. that you would, you know, that, that just expresses something about what you would like to do on a date like netflixandpills.com. <laughs> <laughs> so oh my true. god or what, what I would like to do on a date poppersomalier.com <laughs> specific <laughs> to our our listeners maybe like teebslaughlibrary.com it's an, ar- <laughs> it's an archive of all of your different kinds of laughs and you click them and they yeah, <laughs> you laugh for um, every occasion and for those of us who appreciate when a man is exceptionally serviceable there's hunglikeahorse.net 
All yeah. of it's coming. coming. There's coming a theme. <laughs> that is Boner- <laughs> Bonerability.com <laughs> from the Food for Thought archives. Yes. What's the zaddyanyway.com? Those of us who spend too much time pining for our exes, archivaldick.com. Truly. <laughs> oh, so on that note, Squarespace. <laughs> We're so sorry, Squarespace. That we're you not. Have to put we were more not. than you bargained for. <laughs> Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when, when you're ready to launch, use that promo code T H O T for 10% off. Yes, pay our bills um, 10% off your first website or domain. Mmm. It's time we get to the meat of our conversation, the thought process spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. And to give it to us this week is Joe. Hi, everybody. Our discussion topic today is activism, its role and importance in 2018, and I think whether our art or writing can actually be activist in nature. Whenever I think about it, I think about the writer that introduced this question to me, which was James Baldwin, in his mm-hmm. critique of both Harriet Beecher Stowe and of Richard Wright for what he called writing activist fiction. Uh, Baldwin argued that this actually reduces characters to their essential characteristics and flattens their humanity, doing more harm than good. Baldwin, he was both an activist and a writer, but he argued that art should be art and activism activism. Now, we live in 2018, though, in the era of, like, everything is political, but also in a time where late capitalism has seeped into everything. Online activism is called fake, even though Dennis wants to fuck DeRay in every single one of his McDonald's ads. Bye. (laughs) Wait, he's doing McDonald's ads? Yes, baby. Academia, once and maybe still a site of activism, is the academic industrial complex. Nonprofit work is called the nonprofit industrial complex. Organizing for the Democratic Party is called selling out to the man, and for good reason. And yet here we are living under a violent and neo-fascist regime just trying to do our best. So I think that you know, opens a big question of what does activism look like? What does it mean? What do we do? But I want to start by asking each of you around the table if you identify with any of these terms. Are you an activist? Are you a slacktivist, someone who tweets encouragement from their couch? An artivist, someone who makes political art, and that's their work. A mactivist, which is one of my favorites, someone in the struggle to get their rocks off. (laughs) An instivist, someone who goes to protest in order to Instagram them. A pedivist, and this one sounds bad, but isn't. I I have a lot of friends who do this work. Um, Someone whose activism is in pedagogy, so teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, Or a whactivist, someone who doesn't give a shit and just wants to live their gay life. Mm. Uh, Fred is pointing at Tommy. (laughs) (laughs) Tommy's like, just let me live. Um, I would identify, I feel like a lot of people would call me an instavist because I, I put a lot of um, uh, political shit on Instagram, but I would self-identify as an artivist because I don't, I don't, I think a lot of people would label things that I do as activism, but I don't, I will never call myself an activist. Okay. I think that there is activistic elements to the stories that I tell or the, the stories that I elevate of, oh my God, of others. Um, you know, Fran went ahead and pointed me out and said I was a activist. so, like, <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to defend that position to say it's not that I don't give a fuck. I am just trying to live my life. I'm also just trying to, you know, I've, I thought about this a lot when we decided to make this a topic and going into the document and, and trying to, 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 to pull out and, and tease some, some coherent things to say. But I don't know. Here's the thing. Like, genera- I feel like generationally... I'm an activist in the sense that, like, my daddy was a part of the American Indian movement. Like, I went to my first protest and I was, like, in fifth grade. Like, I feel like I've been, you know, whether it was, like, people um, unearthed, like, you you know, um, uh, corporations unearthing um, American Indian artifacts in the desert and trying to claim them and send them to museums. And we was always just showing up at every kind of thing. And now I just feel like, I don't know, it's like I was raised around a person who made his activism the central tenant of his life to the detriment of his family and so because of that i'm 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 a little hesitant to engage i do in in the sense of like being a part of a direct action Mm -hmm. group and like doing like calling and stuff like that and 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 um writing letters and showing up to protests and stuff um but i feel it's um Oh, what, what would you call it? Like a sort of primordial anxiety to give myself over to something like that because I feel like 
it's almost like an event horizon. Like if I if oh, I wow. reach it, it's gonna suck all of me inside yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm very like I try to maintain very severe boundaries of being like I have things that I need to do for my life, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and at a certain point that means that the, the Twitter's got to go off. You know what I mean? The t- the phone yeah. is on airplane, and I am just writing and doing my thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I, I mean, I'm an activist, and I feel that so much so because I mean. I felt very compelled to do the work that I'm doing. And in fact, if anyone told me that I was going to be doing this work eight years ago, I like laughed in your face because I just <laughs> never thought I'd be so openly queer and doing the work that I was doing. I just, it wasn't in my vision. It's nothing to do with what I studied in undergrad. Um, Can you just give us a little bit, an example of like the work that you do? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I started my work in faith organizing work. I still do a lot of faith organizing work. I engage evangelicals around LGBT issues, especially right now around anti-LGBT legislation. I sit on the human rights campaign, religion and faith council i run a digital media campaign called faith for the lgbt highlighting lgbt voices of faith um i sit on a few other councils with seminaries um i mean that's my ongoing faith work but i'm the director of communications at the anti-violence project currently so i do all internal external communications for an organization that um tries to end all forms of violence against lgbtq so she's busy it's very multifaceted i, I was guess you could say very turned on by how quickly you said that i speak really quickly generally it's a puerto rican thing it is very i speak even f- uh, faster in spanish yeah which I is a problem yeah. um but i mean i would also dennis just arched his back <laughs> <laughs> um, uh... also i feel like dennis for once it feels like there's a top in the room oh, and it's just so exciting uh, yeah i bought him for the first time three weeks ago though I think. Oh! so that's the first time thank you wow. I've, I've thank never you said for that your activism <laughs> Um, <laughs> taking it for the team, huh? Taking it for the team. Here we yeah. go. Yeah. Um, I would almost even say, I mean, I don't like the word selectivist, but I think there's a lot to say around digital organizing in 2018 mm-hmm. and how people consume media information mm-hmm. and how you're able to mobilize individuals, both with finances, voting, awareness, all those things. Um, so as well, I would say, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Dennis. That's Dennis. amazing. I was going to take a moment just to shout out Ilio's arms. <laughs> oh my God. Well, we They're are nice. sitting next to them and I saw them. So we're, I'm going to, I'm, I'm an activist really for good. good arms. She goes to Barry's. <laughs> she does. Not sponsored. Don't say that name here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we'll bleep it out. Um, but anyway, back to, to Ho's question. Um, I absolutely 100% do not consider myself to be an activist. I don't believe that I deserve that title. I'm not working for that title. I don't think mm. I've earned it. I don't think anyone's thinking of me in that way. Um, so I just want to put that out there to begin with. But if we're going to go down the list, I definitely feel like there are ways in which I'm a slacktivist because I do <laughs> tweet things and retweet things and bookmark <laughs> articles on Facebook. <laughs> with the best Art- intentions to maybe click on that bookmark one day. Eventually. That, exactly. About half the time I eventually do read them. Okay. Um, uh, I believe half, really. That's generous. That um, that is generous. <laughs> but... Reads the title in full. <laughs> Reads the title, maybe the first paragraph, and then inevitably it's like your free articles to the New Yorker or the New York Times are up for the month. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, I guess that's not going to happen. Um, Jesus didn't want me to read that. <laughs> Jesus shit. didn't want me to read it. Um, no, but I I believe very deeply in the idea of the the, the artivist, and so like I. Similar to Tommy in a lot of ways, I take my artistic work as a creative writer very, very seriously. And I believe that by virtue of the subject matter that I'm often writing about and the content that I'm writing about, that that is political because I believe very deeply in the idea that the personal is political and that everything is political. And so if there were any sort of activist bent to any aspect of my life, I would say that it is the focus on my art, my creative writing, and the way in which I try to live my life, which is extremely openly and honestly, and I do my best not to give any fucks about anyone or anything or institution that would have a problem with how I move through the world or present myself mm-hmm. because I don't know why I need to care about that, mm-hmm. frankly. So, um, and I think that there are ways in which just living your life and moving through the world in those ways freely and doing the things that you want to do, um, <clears throat> excuse me, is a form of activism. I feel like acting as if just being in the world, it, it, I do believe that just being in the world is political, perhaps, but I don't think that's mm-hmm. that's an activist because mm. I think it would an art artivist too. I think, and I'm I'm pushing up against it just because I'm just going to say what I think, and it feels a little too self indulgent to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I wonder, like, I wonder if there are activists who would say that acting that way 
actually leads to there being no activism. That like acting mm-hmm. as though just existing in the world is activism means that there's mm-hmm. no organization. Because I want to see what you show up to. That's the yeah. thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I feel like growing up and being on the res and like, I knew that I was willing to put my body on the line. Like, I knew mm-hmm. that when I showed up, mm-hmm. like, I didn't care if I was going to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Every man that I met, and most of the women too on the res was all in prison or in jail at one point. Yeah. I figured mm-hmm. that's probably the way I would get there. That's the, the only thing I ever I thought about when I was a kid. It was like, I would sit up at night being like, how am I going to end up in jail? Yeah. That's a really fucked up way to live life. Yeah. <laughs> this is a great place to, to take the conversation is like, to y'all, what is or isn't activism and what is or isn't an activist? And to, to me, I feel like I have a lot more leniency in defining what is activism and people saying, oh, this is activism and me being like, oh, okay. But, like, it's when someone says, I'm an activist, that I get more skeptical. And I'm not exactly sure why. I'm curious to know your thoughts, Elio, and how you work to define what it is that you do. That's complicated. And I think it's getting a little bit more convoluted in 2018, post-election, when everyone is being mobilized in, in like, important ways Uh for some folks. Um, And then, (laughs) no, but then other times, also, I think folks take that. Um, you know, existing in this world, especially unapologetically queer and open, um, it's a disturbance in in a lot of contexts. Uh And yet I recognize that I live in New York City. And while it's still a disturbance in the city, right, people will still look at you if you're gender nonconforming or or presenting in certain ways. It's that's not, you know, it's not the same experience as it is in middle America. I remember after the election, there was, um, I don't know if it was the queer publication itself that posted it or the editor for a queer publication. It was like, what we can do right now is form resistance is to have as much sex as possible, queer oh. sex as possible. And I literally looked at that and I was like, is it though? Like, I was like, is that is that the most like powerful thing is we could do most? right now? I was is like, that the most? I was like, it is the most. Um, but is, is it doing? Is it doing the most? Um, and isn't that what she was gonna do anyway? Yeah, 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 yeah. for real. Um, and I was like, that's very white. And so I think that. Um, so I mean, like, so I think folks can take that that like the idea of like being who I am, being who I am, is 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 a disturbance because we're you know non cis heteronormative. And there are also tangible things that we can be doing. And some mm-hmm. folks allow, like, rest in that yeah. um, and think they're doing those tangible things. If you, like, recognize that, I'm, I'm a little bit different. Like, if you recognize that, like, I just want to live and, you know, as someone who holds one or multiple identities that are oppressed and I just mm-hmm. want to live my life, like, you deserve that. Um, and then I think there are other folks who, like, don't have a choice, right? Who, mm-hmm. who because of mm-hmm. the various identities that they hold and the context and where they live, they don't have a choice but to speak up. You know, we don't... My like my activism came from um, advocating for myself first, and then recognizing right. that there are others in positions worse mm-hmm. than me, and feeling that I didn't have a choice but to speak out for those other individuals, mm-hmm. um, and then feeling compelled every step of the way to continue doing this work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to be a lot less. Um, I'm trying to be a lot more accepting, a lot less skeptical, a lot less uh, to to denigrate November 9th folks less, mm-hmm. to be like, okay, well. Mm-hmm. They're here now. They're here now. Yeah. They're doing the least. <laughs> maybe maybe they're doing the most for them. But they're doing the least for me, but they're doing the most for them. And it's like, how do you how do you lead people along without scaring them away? Yeah. But then but then to a certain extent, I'm like, well, if this is gonna scare you away, get the fuck out of my house, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Right. Like I'm I'm two ways on this. Elio. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that like I look back at like my early activism career and I cringe and I'm like, oh mm. god, I fucked up so much. Like mm. I said things that were oh, just totally. like, yeah, like things that I was like, why the fuck did I say those things? I put them online to be dragged up later on in receipts. Um, and <laughs> and just like do you know just things. So like I've like in my own like looking back at my own work and seeing those feelings, I've tried to like be re- like be like retrospective and think um, that not everyone has it right away. Yeah. So how do you mobilize? Sure. Yeah. So how do you move these folks who have this energy, this newfound energy, way more energy? than God knows I have exactly um, mm-hmm. into doing something that's like tangibly um, that makes actual like work actually happen and I feel like a lot of so I think a good example is that is that now there's like rallies every two days and a lot mm-hmm. of it's very demonstrative like it's like very like it, it brings mm. people together and it brings people aware of the pro- of the issues and stuff but like what is it actually doing like a lot of these mm. things they're called protests but they're really just like rallies mm-hmm. um, some yeah. of these protests that are organized also like some they're new organizers that are doing this and they're like buddy buddy with the police right mm. I remember going to <laughs> I remember going to a very large queer like I would call it more of a rally um Last fall, and like I saw police officers who had previously put their hands on me like a week or two before, uh-huh. like just like hanging out and kicking with like this predominantly white LGBT group mm-hmm. or really white gay group. And so, like, I was like, it, it's very, 
jarring and it, yeah. um, in that sense as well. Mm. Um, I don't know. All those things, it's hard to then also... I think it's engagement. It's engagement of these folks who are new, especially these people are coming up into a new profile, yeah. a new platform, and I have so much access and power to things that a lot of folks who even have been doing this work a long time and don't have that same access and power, mm-hmm. who hold various identities that keep them from having that access That's and right. power. Yeah. How do you engage them to actually leverage their their privilege and newfound access to do good work? And it's also... And it's also mm-hmm. a matter of space because I, I, there are, there's a certain kind of like Instagram activism that we see on our, in, in the uh, November 9th wokeness of like what, of like what we're experiencing that is just really truly taking up space. And now when I see like the um, top 12 like uh, activists that are like leading the movement uh, against Trump right now on like, you know, whatever liberal media vertical you want to name is like a bunch of millennials on Instagram. It makes me weary because I'm like, okay, like is our Bambi is our Bambi Salcedo and like Miss Major not getting these guys because they don't have enough Instagram followers. Right. Like, are mm-hmm. they not allowed to take up they don't this have a kind of space because they don't have a publicist because they don't have an agent because they don't know how to DM someone? And like, well, and they're not going to get clicks but, for the vertical exactly, yeah. or because they're not attractive. Mm-hmm. Like, there is there's like there's a certain brand of activism that is so palatable by the mainstream that like makes me weary. And mm-hmm. to me, I'm like, okay, how are you when you take up this space? How are you paving the way for these voices that came before you and when you put yourself out on the line, quote unquote, um, to do this thing, are you actually putting yourself in danger? Uh, are right. you? How could you call yourself an activist when, like, Miss Major has like gotten a brick thrower yeah. thrown at her head? Like, do you? Can, is your life endangered every day? Have you gotten your teeth kicked in? Like, what? Not that that's a requirement of activism, but I want. Would I you want be to willing to have that happen to you? At what point? At what's your threshold for yeah. sticking it? Sticking to it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And is it like? Is it? I feel like it can be very performative. And like my thing is like, what community are you building? Sorry, both over there. You, I know, just like I'm, both with Fran saying take up a space and so much performative. That's like it's just so. That's just so much tea. And like that's <laughs> <laughs> No, it just is. And like and I think like that's the gag when people I think it's hard. You know, and I was in a similar space in that I mean, the majority of, like, the last, essentially, like, four or five years, the way I made money was I did a lot of writing and speaking at universities um, and speaking about my work, and that all that paid me money, so I could do the organizing work that doesn't pay, because I wasn't attached mm-hmm. to a certain organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Trump was going to take away my healthcare, so I was like, let me get on a job, nine to five, real quick. Um, and, you know, and... I was. I had a decision to make. It's like, do I, in order to like make a living, do I need to do like build this platform high enough that like people are starting to pay me more and mm-hmm. more for whatever reasons, or can I get to an you know an LGBT organization? And I, I, I did do that instead. But the work that I do now, it's all about leveraging um, to tell stories of people who don't have mm-hmm. that microphone. There's, there, you know. I, I don't ever think that people should be the voices for anyone. Mm-hmm. I think it should, it's it's all about create like everyone has a voice. It's about creating space so they can tell their vo- like their stories for the first time. After the election, I have seen a lot of Instagrammers take flight and like talk about these issues and that's really cool and amazing and like it's not the it's not always perfect, but like it works. And there are a lot of people that stay silent. And I have made it like a personal task for me to DM those people privately. If I know them mm. or have engaged with them previously, I DM those people privately and I'd be like, hey, I just like want to talk to you a little bit about how like you're representing yourself mm. online. Are you interested in talking about this thing? Are you not? Are you scared of it? Like, can I help you arm yourself and like the with the lexicon of like what it means to talk about activism or advocacy or anything in on your public platform? Like you have 500,000 followers. Like, you have potentially a direct impact on, like, your audience. How can I employ you to talk about it in an effective way Mm -hmm. if you're interested in that? Yeah. Um, I think that's the difference between, like, right, calling in and calling out. Mm-hmm. Um, Literally wrote I call out a lot. <laughs> I was like, it's well, right, I mean, like... written right there. So, I, like, you know, I think... I have a story I'm scared to tell because I don't tell want the mentions. It. Let's oh, do it. Yes. Well, were, I think it was when uh, you were talking, I was like, uh, I'm having PTSD. Okay, so like, I think... Like, a lot my... of men feel that way when they talk. Tell me. Like, thinking about like evolution and things like that, I think I I was in a, it was in a peak of like call-out culture and like feeding into that until I had my own experience and my own receipts being pulled up. So one day Ooh. I added Demi Lovato. 
Oh, um, that was the biggest mistake of my life because she responded to me. Um, she 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 tweeted that she was one percent African, and I was like, delete this. Oh, oh and she was like, why? And then like that's all I could see forever because just the swarm of fans were in my mentions. Within co- just for context, she is the most followed person on Instagram in the world. Wow. In the world. Literally more than any other human. Wow. It was like 50, 60 million followers or something stupid. I did not know that. Um, Yeah. Well, she like all her fans like came through me, and I was trying to explain why I just thought that was just like the very just it's not the stupidest. Yeah, as, thing as to a say, molecular so biologist, yeah. also as a molecular biologist, that's air in the experiment. Yeah. Like, mm. you're not. She and I was there was, but there was no way for me to engage <laughs> her. And her fans pulled these tweets of mine from eight years ago, like eight nine years oh, ago, wow. when I had like thirty followers, in which like everything was in the context of a joke, which I thought was really funny, and they were like racist there were some that were like sexist there were some like things that like i had forgotten that i even thought this way like let alone said those things Mm -hmm. and i was like shocked i was like this can't be from my account like what is this and you know i like locked my account i was like having major moments i had a lot of family stuff i was actually in puerto rico because i had a lot of family stuff happening at that time so i was like super anxious and i was just getting ripped apart and that made me really think about it's like what did i what did i have to do to get to where i am today to the point where i didn't even remember that i Mm. that i thought those things um and what am i doing to like feed people like when i'm when i'm calling out people am i actually wanting them to grow am i actually wanting them to engage them enough to get to a better space or am I just doing that for the retweets yourself yeah and like and then Mm. actually like for the past year I've kind of like stopped growing my Twitter generally because like I I honestly I'm scared of Twitter now the way that was because like there was no it, it really was like kind of a very like harsh experience for me because I it was just so much like it sounds traumatic to it was me. I mean like they were like on every social media platform I've ever like my Instagram my Facebook I like uh, uh, accounts that I didn't know I, I owned anymore. Like it was You're like it was shit. for like uh, for like uh, a week. <laughs> yeah. My live journal, <laughs> my manga, <laughs> somehow grinder. I don't know. And so like all those things were just like it made me a lot more retrospective and like think about like where I am as a person. Yeah. What did I have to do in order to grow and see? And like I think my activism, my activism was very LGBT centric until I started doing the organizing work and seeing how these mm. issues overlap. And so for me, like that, 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 you know, my liberation is bound up in yours and like having that, Word. that kind of like, um, analysis grow, it didn't just happen overnight. Um, yeah. and those receipts were just, ugh. Ugh. Oh, oh, sometimes oh. your own receipt. Oh man, your own receipts. I know I've gone back on my Twitter and son, the worst puns. Everybody knew me by these now. <laughs> oh! one, it was like from Jaws. You know how they're like, we're going to need a bigger boat. And I was like, we're going to need a bigger butt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tommy, honestly, that is Hashtag accurate. When you see That's just true. <laughs> true. We're editing this out. <laughs> we are absolutely not no, editing this If it's not the tagline for this episode, I don't want this to air at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's the title. I have a question for you. When you say um, you were doing unpaid organizing work, I think that I, like I have friends who are organizers and like I can kind of name I think for every organizer that work looks different and I think one of the problems is that people whenever people say I'm doing organizing work a they lot of people think it's like it's like it's consulting or like it can mean anything mm-hmm. and nothing so for you my, my, my organizing work specifically mostly in faith spaces okay. so what that means I engaged a lot of people who didn't want to meet with me um, <laughs> around around their theology and okay. and really and, and really walking them through how their theology um you know, it's it's organizing work is interesting because sometimes it's not about necessarily changing someone's mind completely, but about making um, the uh, engaging them enough so that they can shift the spaces that they um, mm. own to be safer. Mm-hmm. Like it's no, it's yeah, not, yeah, some yeah. some like mm. institutions take a lot of time to change, yeah. and so it's yeah. not going to change overnight. And yet, there are people that are being oppressed in those spaces um, that need to have some steps made for them now, right? So when I talk about Christian spaces, like, it's nice to be like, I'm 18, I'm 19, I'm not my family's home. Like, I don't have to engage those spaces. And yet there's LGBT youth who are going to be in those spaces without a choice. So how do we engage those churches, those Christian schools, those universities to be better? Because that's going to take a lot of time to be completely affirming, safe, um, and, uh, you know, space for LGBT people so that those those individuals can find spaces to survive, right? Because I really did my work about surviving. And now that I'm in the context where I'm, like, really queer and have a great family, I can thrive in those spaces. Mm. But sometimes it's about survival. 
Hey queens, uh, did you know that you can get some more trash talking combo from our main discussion? Ooh. If you didn't get enough, go on over to our Twitter page where we pin a thought starting question at the top of our uh, Twitter page and uh, you can just keep it going. Just like ask us some questions, engage with us. Keep us revved up. Yeah. Joe will respond because he literally has nothing better yeah. to do. Get in our mentions <laughs> and uh, at us always, that's uh, food, the number four and Thought spelled T H O T Pod on Twitter. Um, yeah, get in our mention. And Joe's so, always going to be there with that crying um, Arrested Development. Game. <laughs> yes. yes, every time, Literally every time. It's his favorite. It's him, Cardi B. Right. You know, I'm full, but I got that feeling like I can put one more thing inside of me. Dennis knows how I feel. <laughs> so- Dennis, stop texting and setting up your fucking hookup for oh later God, tonight. <laughs> Listen, sometimes a bench needs some dick. So for today, that's on topic for our dessert today. (laughs) Because we're going to talk about Invasion of Privacy by Cardi B. Now, you know, we do record a little bit uh, earlier than when we dropped the episode. So, you know, this is still very timely for us. And and also, you know, in a few weeks when this episode comes out, I'm still going to be listening to it every goddamn day. Yes. Um, So I am just, so I had been talking to head thought intern Kenya. (laughs) (laughs) If you've ever heard a a cackle, a scream, a snap in the back, that's always Kenya. Always. Kenya. And we had been texting and she was just like, I was so nervous. For Cardi. Me too. Yes, I was too. And I was just like, but it was so. Good. So good. It was so good. I started... Y'all some fair weather stands. No, mm. no, you no. You knew that shit was going to be high. I did not you know. I did not know. I was Nikki nervous. What I said was Nicki nervous. Minaj. What I said was nervous. I said I was nervous because it's all, you know, sometimes it's like people have a lot of pressure and that sometimes gets in the way of people's good work. Yep. And she even, even she was nervous. She went on the record and well, she, she was just like, I don't nervous, know what's going to happen. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I wasn't nervous. But I started to get up 10. I got, I yep. got up at nine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on 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 April sixth, and I started listening to that album. And Get Up Ten came on. Look, they gave a bitch two options: stripping or lose. Used to dance in a club right across from my school. I said, dance, not fuck. Don't get it confused. Had to set the record straight because bitches love to assume. Mama couldn't give it to me. And I was like, it, it was like, it doesn't have a chorus. You know, it's just got like a, it's got like a beat, and it goes, and then like, and then it ratchets up a little bit more, and then like a little bit, it ratchets up a little more, and then she's just spitting, and I was yes. like, oh, my, I, we're off at the races. Yes. What's up mm-hmm. next? And then even the songs that I didn't like that much before, like Drip, which came out a little bit before the yeah. album dropped, yeah. I liked it a lot more yeah, in context, context of the so, album. Um, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> and I was yes. a little bit curious about. I mean, you know. The only song that I don't really listen to that much is Bodak Yellow, just because I listened to it like yeah. all last summer. <laughs> um, Every second of my waking <laughs> life yeah. last summer. But um, I'm curious, like, what are some of your favorite tracks? What are some of your favorite lines? Obviously, the most iconic was Text on Red, Balls on Blue. Um, yes. That was pretty good. Um, Pussy So Good, I Say My Own Name During Sex. That, that was one's good. true. What was that one about? Mm-hmm. Like, I want to call up your mom and tell her she raised a little bitch. That was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, how are you going to suck your man's dick with my name in your mouth? That was. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we we had a very long recording session on Saturday, and um and then I went to get drinks afterward, and I finally listened to that album for the very first time on my forty minute bike ride home, and <laughs> I they were, took some stories. really stupid videos of myself there listening to Cardi B on my bike and like bopping around, like like bopping so hard that like my my bike was like getting air, like I I, I couldn't even yeah. like. I, I felt it so hard and also at the moment. And, like, there's something about Cardi that just, like, makes you feel yourself. She yeah. doesn't make you feel the music. I mean, yeah, she yeah. does in different ways. But, like, the most important thing is yourself mm-hmm. in that moment. And the way she loves herself and the way she carries herself is something that you absorb. Like but a sponge. I, and like, you I love need. You're like, yes. I need. But I also Tell loved me. the songs, like, Ring and Be Careful, where she isn't that... Um, she's not that braggadocious self. She isn't that confident, and she's like way vulnerable. And and it's like mm-hmm. and like uh, you know, be careful. Came out a little bit earlier, but I love this so, sort of little baby elephant walk, like rhythm in the background, like the tone, and then like she kind of comes into it. It sounds like a little childlike because of how mm-hmm. how shaky and vulnerable she is. Being like, you know, yeah. you got me looking at myself in the mirror crazy because you're inconsistent, you know. And like yes. that was, so, I felt like that was a real lyric, and I I don't know, I love that. And like ring, 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 that Kalani. Truly. I I can't get oh, that out of my head. Oh, I love Kalani. 
I was like, it's you're so, so deep good. with it, but I was twerking a bick head, okay? I was like, he was like, I was like, oh yeah, that that too. Um, and as I heard guap guap chicken, I was like, I'm a vegetarian. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you, but you won't twerk to that shit. But you can get some real. bread, though. You can get some bread. Yeah. You can get some bread. I was gonna say, yeah. I, I mean, I'm all about get up ten, and I mean, I know she's not talking about dick size in the song, but I'm always thinking about dick size. I'll get up <laughs> 10, 10, 11, 12, <laughs> 13. We always good. Cardi and I, sisters, and that. But. Um, get up ten, so good. Drip, so good. Bickin' Head was actually kind of my life. I am obsessed with that song. I cannot stop listening to it. Get some bread. Um, I still. So I'm gonna be honest. We always make jokes about the fact that I come to shit hella late. So I ain't listened to Bodak Yellow until like December. I didn't. Which means Kenya is getting out of the room right now. Which which means you were just like this. I'm not always listening to the the stuff that's just new. Like I just am not always there. Bodak Yellow is the national anthem. It's so good. So okay, real t- The first time I heard the song "Bodak Yellow" is when a really good friend of mine that I used to work with at Harlem Children's Zone. She went viral because she's a teacher. She teaches at P Diddy's Charter oh. School, and she yes. taught her kids the map, the geography, what That's they needed her. to do the state reasons. That's my girl, Erica. Okay, she used to be my boss at HCC. We'll put it in the show notes. And so, anyway, that was the first time I heard the song, and I was like, oh, and then I realized I had heard it at some parties, but I didn't know what it was. Anyway, <laughs> so it's still... Nobody is shocked. Oh, nobody is shocked. So it's still fresh for me. Um, I money do, bag, money bag, money bag. I, money I bag, do, money bag, money I bag. I mean, always the money. Both. It did feel like, in the sense of, you know, we talked we did, we did, talked about this with regards to Lemonade. We talked about it with Solange. We talked about it with Anti, with Rihanna. Yeah. How that Those this is an three album, in but one that year. this is an album that only that person could make. Yes. Right? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. what you're always, I, I don't know about you guys, but as a creative writer, that's what I'm always striving for. When I think about like my short stories, when I think about my novel, like Voice. I'm trying to write a story and that, that only I can write. And I want my reader to be like, only this bitch could have written this. You know, I saw her on Tommy. Jimmy Fallon and, you know, I saw her on Saturday Night Live. And I think I, what I think is that like, you know, sometimes you have this because like her, she is very verbose mm-hmm. on the tracks. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, in the sort of IRL world, you know, she's a little bit more withdrawn and she isn't saying as much. And so mm-hmm. then sometimes you're like, does this stuff translate? Wow, she really leaves a lot on the page, right? But I think what it is, is that like she's in these new echelons of fame, right? With, mm-hmm. with Saturday Night Live, with yep. Jimmy Fallon, all, all these interview shows. And, and she looks really nervous to me. Yeah. Like she mm-hmm. looks like somebody who like honestly she does because she looks like somebody who can hide it very well because like she's got that face or whatever and she and just like weave. she and, and yes yeah. and she like kind of leans into the things that she knows she can do well which yeah. is like do the laugh or the okay or like the you know she does these things where it's like they're 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 stimulating enough to people who haven't seen her on Love and Hip Hop maybe that yeah. like mm-hmm. that, that they're okay but like if you've seen her really shine in another medium mm-hmm. it it looks like she's withholding but to me it just look, looks like she's really nervous like she yeah. like it's just like a new level but on that, it, regardless of whether she's nervous or not, there is something that makes me feel deeply patriotic about seeing a Dominican-American woman yes. who is pregnant, who is a former sex worker, who is, as she says, a regular schmegular girl from the Bronx, mm-hmm. to be on Saturday Night Live, one of the most widely watched television programs on in this country, singing about fuckboys, mm-hmm. or singing about confidence, or singing mm-hmm. about growing up where she grew up in, in a beautiful gown yes. fully pregnant for that for that to build the platform for this woman for her to be what i believe to be one of the most famous women in this country or in the world right now is mind-blowing and that makes me feel that's the only mm. thing that i get excited about in this country right that's now that's amazing and that it's is amazing. the beauty of cardi b that is the beauty of cardi b there we go This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our partnership with Into, an online magazine for queer news and culture. Head to intomore.com each week for a totes and a probe slutty love note. (laughs) Bye. Our engineer is Alex Mead Fox at Spaceman Sound Studios, and our producer is our pasta primavera, Alexandra (laughs) De Palma. With an egg <laughs> I'm Tommy Teeves Pico. You can find my third book, Junk, anywhere good books are sold. I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squish Co. on Twitter, Instagram, and Venmo. And I am uh, riding in a 545-mile bike race from San Francisco to Los Angeles for the AIDS life cycle. You can click on the link in my social media bio to like show me some love and help me create awareness and some dollars for the HIV AIDS crisis. 
I am Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. And I am Dennis Norris II, and you can find me at www.dennisnorrisii.com, where you can order copies of my amazing chapbook. Yes, Mama. I'm Eliel Cruz. You can find me at elielcruz.com. Yeah. You can listen to Food for Thought on Apple Podcasts or wherever you catch golden audio goodness. Mm-hmm. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and really give Dennis that arch in their back. Woo! <laughs> Find us on Twitter and Facebook as Food for Thought Pod and Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Reads. Yeah. Sign up for our newsletter for episode insights, reading lists, and uh, extra delectable content at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> almost doesn't count and finally email us with your questions thoughts concerns and, and dick, dick pics at thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com as always that's food the number four and thoughts spelled how t-h-o-t thanks for listening see you bye next bye get mad content honey That was the first time I shat on a dick, and I was like, "Woo!" Uh, no. The first time I shat on a dick, I went and got in the shower, and then got back out of the shower, and went and sat back on the dick. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a metaphor. Oh. That, Ho, Austin, everybody. I want Ho. that to be in a Cardi B song. Yes. yes. I have to say that I have never shat on a dick, but I have had my dick shat on, which is also Ooh. a metaphor. I'm I'm dick shit verse. I've uh, obviously done both. Uh, <laughs> Um, dick shit verse. <laughs> For the record, I have never shat on a dick. That's because uh, you. I don't think it's going. To it's happen. because it's because the mac and cheese blocks it's it like conglomerate it at the entrance to the your body. It, it does. Elio's <laughs> devastated. He's like, "What have I got myself I into?" Regret <laughs> everything. We're trash. If you don't know, bye. We're deeply trash, and we're deeply proud of it. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.